Welcome to Lectionary Call-In for Tuesday, December 5th of 2023, where laypersons and pastors gather each week at 6.30 a.m. Eastern Time from wherever we may be to discuss the Gospel Lectionary for the coming Sunday. This Sunday is December 10th, and we're working to be faithful to Lectionary Year B. Here's how it works. We prepare independently in advance of the discussion after receiving some formative questions from the week's leader. And then in this podcast, we share, question, and challenge each other. And here are the folks joining us in today's discussion. Bill Hall, St. Petersburg, Florida. Sarah Mickelson in Tampa. Don Upton in Manhattan today. And our lead is Sarah Mickelson. She's been working carefully on forming some questions that are so interesting. She's going to read the scripture and get us started. Hope you're doing well today, Sarah. Thank you so much. We are in Advent 2 of Year B. That brings us to Mark, and we're at the very beginning. Chapter 1, verses 1 through 8, and this is how it begins. In the beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as it is written in the prophet, prophet Isaiah, See, I am sending my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare your way. The voice of one crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. John the baptizer appeared in the wilderness proclaiming baptism for the repentance and for the forgiveness of sins. And people from the whole of the Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem were going out to him and were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel hair and a leather belt around his waist. He ate locusts and wild honey. He proclaimed, The one who is more powerful than I is coming after me, and I'm not worthy to stoop down and untie the thong of his sandals. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And that ends the reading of our passage. In the beginning of the good news. That's interesting. There's a lot of discussion in the uh, commentary about, does that mean the start of Jesus' life or the beginning of the good news, which is God has come and entered our world? Um, something to think about. So that led me down a couple of new pathways for questions. Um, my first question, and I'll, I'm going to read you all three questions first so you kind of know where we're headed. First question is, how do you recognize... Oops, sorry, that's the second question. First question is, how do you best prepare the way? Do you start first with your mind, or do you start first with the world? And I'm going to give credit to this question to the Reverend Dr. Janet H. Hunt, whose blog each week is entitled Dancing with the Word. Um, I find her her thoughts very helpful, and her questions are, are wonderful. So in case you need that reference. Second question, how do you recognize God's messengers, forerunners, heralds, or person on point of today, and especially when they might look differently than expected? Who might be a forerunner for you and why? My third question, Isaiah speaks of God's promise. A promise prepares expectation and anticipation. For what promises do you wait this Advent. The last time we uh, met in this conversation at this point in the scripture, it was 2020 and COVID was just starting to ravage everything. 
And it was a very interesting time when we were trying to reevaluate what was safe. So in thinking about that, how do you best prepare the way? Do you start first with contemplation or action? Do you start with your mind or do you start with the world? What do you think, Don? Well, you know, you made a note on the beginning, and I, I had a note in my scripture from Bill Wallace. He used to teach lectionary class at Palm Steer Presbyterian Church that makes the podcast possible. We celebrate and honor Bill's memory with what we do today. And he said, don't forget, that's the title of the book, The Beginning. Which, you know, it's tough to consider, but the beginning of what is a great secondary question that goes along with this. So uh, you ask about mind and world. And so I don't know whether I look at you or look at Janet Hunt and go, no fair, no fair. It's all things are God and all things go together. But I do love the question. So I choose mine. I choose mine for these reasons. Uh, uh, because there's, even in this passage and what's led up to it in our reading, a focus on memory. Memory lost, memory recalled, memory reminded, memory prompted, memory lost. And, of course, the old scriptures, the Old Testament, is a lot, has a lot in it about the loss of memory and even the Creator reminding reminding of people about who they are because forget, time passes. So I think the mind is critical in this, and it comes first because there's that. Then there's the instruction, the instruction about what it is to figure out the promise, remember a promise, to understand what something's being pointed to, to understand navigation towards something, an idea. And I also think uh, the mind matters because the promise is vested in time, the specific promise we're dealing with here. Uh, and it's commuted by human beings long past, but then there are people in my life that point me to this passage, including a lectionary committee that says, thou shalt read this now. That's pointing in itself. And we're in the, we're in the business here of the advent where we have to remind ourselves. That's why I love the lectionary three years. Don't forget, don't forget. Remember, remember, remember. So those are the memory instruction and that the, the promise vested in time, I think, is important. Uh, who pointed for me? Uh, anybody that pointed to the gospel demonstrated the discipline of the pointing uh, and often pointed to the pointer. <laughs> see John. See what he's pointing to. So we could point to the pointer for instruction too. Uh, and then uh, Jesus... I think is recognized in this passage because John the Baptist is a finely calibrated person, a finely calibrated preparer. Uh, I don't have that. I'm not gifted to do that. I'm not a prophet. I'm not, not, and I think it's okay to go, I'm not, I'm not, and I can't see. Oh, Lord, can I see? There's a prayer. That's where the mind comes in. Prayer. I know I can't see. I know I can't see. I admit I can't see. I admit I forget. But we point to the pointer, to John, and he is not advancing a theory. He's advancing a conclusion, the fulfillment of the promise. He points to a person with a body that actually casts a shadow, shadow not theory, not floating promise, not an idea, not good feelings. He's pointing to a human being. It's all, everything's vested in that. So, uh, And the final note I had on that in, in the life of the mind and again, back to uh, Bill Wallace, who reminded us of this several times. When people move to the wilderness, this signals uh, or reflects a curiosity, uh, a desire to break with the past. It, it is 
it, it, and it is even in modern postmodern literature a signal of the same thing. Matter of fact, in postmodern literature, the city is a sign of the life of the mind, but also represents the sanity, the chaos. So they, Bill says, pay attention when you move from the city to the wilderness. That is a break, and also a break with the institutions and cultures. I'll annotate that break with the institutions and cultures to say, because they overwhelm the mind, we think we are working a process. We think we have found safety, security, and we have to, in our mind, break from that, break from that, because it turns out it's chaos, it's a veil, and then go into another place. So th- those are my first thoughts there. Don, you made me think of waiting for Godot. When the leaves come on the tree, Act 1, the leaves, there's only one leaf, and by Act 3, the leaves are coming back on the tree. It's almost as if we're rebuilding wilderness. Interesting thought. Okay, what do you think, Bill? How do you best prepare the way? And do you start with your mind or start with the world? Contemplation or action? Uh, That's a helpful way to find this, Sarah. And here goes one of Bill Hall's favorite phrases. It's both and. (laughs) A number of us follow Richard Moore. And and the, the name of his organization is Center for action and contemplation. Now, I don't know how much importance he puts on it. Given the kind of get-or-done person I want to be, I'm glad that he puts action first. Now, often it needs to be reversed. We need to reflect, contemplate, and then uh, act. But anyway, um, I think it is... Uh, both and, and we do need the life of the mind and the life of acting in the world. Now, you say, how do you start? One phrase that some biblical scholars use about a passage is, what's the plain meaning? Not, Not that there's not more, but, okay, what is it clearly saying? And for John the Baptist, you start with repentance, and he addresses it to all levels of society. Now, interestingly, this is one story that is in its essence in all four Gospels, uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. That itself, Sarah, is a signal to me that the early writer said this, this needs to be repeated. Other things are only in one or several of the Gospels. And in Luke, it says that the people came, tax collectors, soldiers, who said to John, on your point, okay, I hear what you're saying. What do I do with this? How, how, you know, and it was tax collectors, don't collect more than is due to the people. If somebody needs a coat, you give it to them. Uh, and the soldiers were told not to extort from the people. So it's both. Listen to my message and let it change your behavior. And then later, John the Baptist, as we know, called out Herod for his adultery with Herod's brother's wife, Herodias, which led to the murder of John the Baptist. Um, Now, in terms of how does this impact me, I have... What I just said, I came to fairly quickly, Sarah, 
But finding a bridge between the dramatic narrative in this story and my life today is not easy. And I'm not sure I've built that bridge yet. But at least, it again, back to the plain message, to use biblical language, I'm invited to seek to discern how am I missing the mark? How am I falling short of the glory of God in my life? Now, in one sense, that needs to be private and internal, leading to a change of behavior. Um, now, <clears throat> maybe this is the preacher in me. Um, along with this demand for repentance, in the lectionary passages for this week from the Old and New Testament, we need to remember that God also offered forgiveness. One of the passages, the prophet for this week is from Isaiah 40. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that she has served her term, that her penalty is paid, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. And then from Psalm 85, Lord, you forgave the iniquity of your people. You pardoned all their sin. So, yes, repentance, but also know that we serve a God who um, who, who forgives. Um, and I found this quote from the Christian Century, December 4, 2023, by Melissa Bills in Port. It's significant. She writes, John's voice in the wilderness is the voice of all who possess neither the wealth nor the power to demand a platform. God calls us out to the wilderness, away from the noise, where we can hear the voices that proclaim the way of the Lord. The way of the Lord is justice, forgiveness, grace, compassion, liberation, and above all, love. Are we listening? So to your question, um, how... um, how do we best prepare is to listen to the voices that cry out for justice. Um, I'm still working on the bridge, Sarah. Thank you. And with you, Bill, I think this is a both question or both answers. Um, in my thinking about this question, I thought about families. You know, this year families travel. They travel to each other. Um, I was often, when we started having children, I was the destination. I was the travel-to person. So my parents would travel to me, and I would think about them on their drive. I would imagine where they were in their I would imagine where they were. And, and think about Pardon me? Like Bill's mute his phone, please. Thank you. I would think about how they would be traveling and what what stage they were in, what location they might be in, and how quickly they might be there. Um, the other thing I would think about is how did I prepare my home when they came? You know, this time of year we have the luxury and the and, and the position to decorate our homes for Christmas, which is such a a wonderful thing. So that when someone arrives to your home, they know that you're ready for them, that you've you've taken 
and I, I, I put this down, contemplation is deliberate and intentional. So that when you are considering the arrival of someone, it's hospitality. You've thought about their favorite foods, perhaps. You've thought about how, where they're going to sleep is their bed made. You've thought about putting out bath towels, perhaps. You've thought about buying fresh flowers for your guest's room. You might have even gone so far as to um, make a, a special meal and a special dessert for the, the moment they arrive so that there's something to greet them. And the house smells important to that. Um, for example, if I'm baking pumpkin bread, my children walk in and go, oh, it's that time of year, and they know it's a signal. It's a signal of, of, of intentionality, a signal of care, a signal of welcome. So I thought about that, and I thought, but actions are spontaneous. You don't, unless you meditate and premeditate on action, um, you know, most of the time action is spontaneous. So I think in thinking about how do we prepare for meetings, how we think about the person we're going to sit down with, how we think about, you know, that person with some intention to understand or kind of set your thinking and your heart in place so that you're ready to have that dialogue, I think is important. Um, Some situations feel like action needs to be taken, though. So maybe it's a, a behavior that you do in an effort to protect someone suddenly, or you notice somebody's downcast and you compliment them. You have the intentionality to lift them up. Maybe it's it's somebody short that wants to be carried, and you a sudden on-demand grandpa or on-demand mom, you pick up um, and you carry someone. In other conditions, you have the opportunity to sit with the moment in faithful contemplation and empathy becomes a good companion in that moment. And how do I go about loving God and my neighbor? It's both contemplation and action. And my question would be, what can I add or remove to better prepare the way? And that led me that led me down a new thought of thinking. So I'm going to park right there and move to our second question. How do you recognize God's messengers, forerunners, heralds, person on point of today, especially when they might look differently than expected? Who might be a forerunner for you? And maybe not so much an individual person, but maybe characteristics. Who might be a forerunner for you and why? What do you think, Bill? Um, Yeah, I will. Uh, follow your guidance about not so much who I'm going to name it, how I characterize them. Uh, I mentioned earlier in question one that this narrative is in all four Gospels. That's not to say that they all pay attention to the same details. Mark alone adds the details that he wore camel's hair, a leather belt, and he ate your favorite menu, Sarah, locusts and wild honey. Even the honey is wild, and I'll come back to that in a moment. Now, last Sunday began a new series in the adult formation class at Palmacy of Christian Church led by Reverend John Ryder. And one of the things that John emphasized is that Mark's focus is on the cross, not the manger. There's no birth narrative in Mark. The first gospel 
didn't the writers did not consider the birth narrative to be important. It was almost why the birth. What what did it lead to? And um, Mark's first words are centered on Jesus Christ declaring Jesus to be the Son of God. Now I found it helpful to understand working on this passage from Caroline Lewis, working preacher, December 2011. She says that Mark offers a kind of disoriented expectation. (laughs) I sort of parked there for disoriented expectation. And it led me to believe that not all, but the kind of disorientation that this passage offers invites us into a richer, broader, or more expansive reorientation. I believe it was the philosopher Hegel who talked about thesis, antithesis, synthesis. You know, you you believe something, you're disoriented, and you come up with a new way to go forward. You don't want to park your life at the point of disorientation, but that disorientation can be a gift uh, that leads us to uh, a new world. So um, how do I recognize the messenger forerunner herald? It's somebody or events that, again, (laughs) disorient my expectations. Now, an example of that disorientation is Mark, as you read it, starts the beginning of the good news, and where did it happen? In the wilderness, wild darkness, <laughs> and not in the center of power, Caroline Lewis says. Now, the original Greek word, as far as I know, there's no English derivative, uh, at Ramo. In the Greek dictionary, the wilderness is described and defined as a place abandoned, empty, desolate, lonely. Who wants to go there, right? Abandoned, empty, desolate, lonely. But that's where John was. And to hear and encounter John in the language of today, the people had to leave their comfort zones. It says they came from all over in Jerusalem. And our passage for this week reminds us that such a place is... um, is unexpectedly where God is present and working. So um, for me, uh, how do I understand that person or events? They're a bit disorienting. Thank you for the question. Thank you. Um, Don, what are your thoughts? How do you recognize God's messengers? Um, And what if they look differently than you expect? And what, how does a forerunner appear to you? Well, it does depend on uh, people that pointed to things, to remember that. Uh, I think we've repeated in the podcast a lot, listen, patience, alertness. Sounds simple, but uh, I think listening and patience and alertness is what we've been studying for the past few weeks, even as we're in year A. And I think it's practice, practice, practice. Uh, and and I think you know if you if I if we're having a different kind of podcast and talking about how do you convene people, how do you conduct business, how do you write an agenda, 
Yeah, isn't it interesting? We go, listen, patience, alertness. Sounds like the gospel. And that's the bridge I want to make. That I, I think from time to time, if I see those kinds of things that are gospel-like, I have to note it for it to break through. So it's not about identifying the messenger or the prophet or the forerunner. It's, I know that. Right? So listen, patient alertness comes up all day long. And every now and then I feel like I go, you know, there's a lot of gospel in that. And boy, does the conversation take off from there. Does it take off? And sometimes people I'm with might say something like a reference. And they point through what we're doing into eternity. But I had to listen, be patient, be alert for that. And and so it's uh, it sometimes takes weeks and months. And it's a surprise. But I think that's the journey sometimes. Sometimes we're surprised immediately. I've got a big day ahead of me. I'm going to get surprised. But also there may be individuals or circumstances that I've been dealing with a long time. And then weeks later, here it comes. Because I'm prepared. Not because it was a delay. The time was right for that. So I think... Note, making a note, there it is, that's familiar to me. Uh, I've heard that before. That reminds me of something. I think that's our, my obligation to say those things so that, the, that in-breaking continues. It's, it's, it, at least in the world, I think I'm going to be in today. It's not like it's just going to appear. I'm going to go, there it is. It's going to be, wait, 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 what is that? What is that? Say that again. Why did you say it that way? What are you talking about? That sounds very familiar to you, to me, my friend. And I've just had a great deal of joy with that, especially in recent years. I think it's the difference between – I reject the idea of agendas. Uh, and I, you know, in my world, we, we call them discussion maps. It allows the freestyling. It's like I don't, I, I don't have an agenda because I have the answer, right? I, I write a discussion map because I want to be led. I want to I want people to freestyle and be transparent and vulnerable. And so, you know, you reject the agenda. Uh, and finally, uh, Sarah, um, so there are a lot of people that fit into that where I'm like, I've heard that before. This is this has gone from rare to daily to hourly. What a, what a fun thing. I think, Sarah, you're reflecting that too. I want to flip the, the comment you made. Uh, I have another truth from the comment about expecting people on their journey right, and imagining that, I was all actually thinking of the other end about preparing for a journey. So today I'm sitting in Manhattan, and I prepared to come here Saturday. No matter what Saturday or when you're watching this, but I prepared, and the life of the mind. I started living in the city I was going to, imagining. It helped me prepare, right? I needed it. I need things to hold on and think about how do I – and, I can, and it put me at ease and rest and preparing. You're right. You know that. When you're traveling, you don't think just about the trip. You think about where is this place? What is this city I'm going to be at? What am I going to see? How do I move around? What is it? That's the imagination at the end. So, Sarah, I think you put that on the other end of what you said, and it's that whole thing. Final note is um, I think this story is anti-GPS. <laughs> My daughter is an example. Uh, pay attention. Okay, listen. Patient, alertness. Pay attention. Uh, I don't know about you, but I don't. I when I think about the life of travel, thirty years ago, forty years ago, it was different. Mm-hmm. It's not about the technology we used to. You know, not about the car and the tires or the bus or the train. The navigation is different. I do not. 
I could have 40 years ago, if it's a trip, a, a recurring trip, even if it's a long one, I could, I, I knew what the, where the road signs would be. I knew what the fork in the road actually looked like. I knew what the traffic sounded like. I know how the red lights might have turned. I know where the road didn't have a shoulder. I know where the barn is. I know where the cows are. Here come the cows. I could map it with that journey, which has emotions tied to everything, which helped me meditate upon the, de- the destination, the what's to come. But along the way, the prompts, the memories were reminded, oh, there's the barn. There's, remember that? Now, I could say that to people younger than me, and they're like, I don't know what you're but I have a daughter who's who uh, when she was a little kid, everybody else is trying to GPS is, uh, exist. But she'd be like, "You're going the wrong way," and I'm like, "How do you know that?" Because you, there, there's a store there. You're supposed to turn at the gas station, the red gas station with the blue sign. Oh, oh, she knows. She knows the way in a much much more excellent way. So I wanted to highlight that I think there's an anti GPS here where your memory's not going to get jogged. Anything we throw away that is supposed to jog the memory and create an intimacy, even with the travel, to help you prepare for where you're going, if that gets thrown out, oh, no, that's a loss of memory. It's a disruption. So that's what I've got there. Now, my brain is building all these wonderful illustrations um, thanks to the words you're choosing to use. Thank you very much. Um, so I, at this time of year in Florida, it's it's frequent that we have fog because we're in that strange and wonderful transition between the heat of the summer and the cool of the winter. And we kind of move back and forth almost as if we're still under the, the waves of um, weather shifting, kind of like the beach is under the waves of the water. We go cold, we go warm, we go cold, we go warm. And so there's moments where the earth is warmer than the air around it, and and we have this moisture that draws up, and fog is presenting itself to us. And so we're in that place right now. And the gift of fog is it it settles moisture on things, and you can see things that were previously invisible. So I want to give you a picture of you're standing in a field, the fog has, has has come in, and you can see suddenly where all the spider webs are. And and the beauty of this is they look like gossamer connections that you didn't previously see but now become very apparent. The connections between things. Um so that with that gift of thinking, um I I thought about who might be forerunners and heralds and persons on point. And and my brain jumped to literary opportunity, literary pointers and forerunners. And um and so I put down are they people you know or people that you wish you knew? You might be a forerunner for someone else, right? Um my job as the the the, the mother of a four footed blind dog is I'm the leader generally where we go. And I'm there to intercede so that he doesn't bang his head on things. Um, so he knows where the walls are and he knows when we're going to turn and we're going to go this way. So I'm acting as, a, a, if you will, a bumper for him. So maybe that's an example of forerunning. Um, Mr. Rogers says that in times of trouble, you look for helpers. And you will always find the people who are helping. 
And I thought that would be an example of forerunning or heralding. Um, those seeking justice, acting with kindness, those working through the world with humility, those who remove obstacles, who smooth pathways, who rejoice at good. Ted Lasso says, stay curious. I think Ted Lasso's a forerunner. Robert Fulgham suggests that we share, that we play fair, that we don't hit people, we don't take things that don't belong to us, and if you hurt someone, you say you're sorry. You clean up your own mess, you wash your hands before you eat, and you hold hands, and you stick together when you cross in the street. I think Robert Fulgham is a forerunner. In The Little Prince, and I'm going to butcher this name, so pardon me, Anton de Saint-Exupéry notes, it is only with the heart that one can see rightly. What is essential is invisible to the eye. I think that's a statement of forerunning, and it invites us to look not necessarily at the exterior of things, but at the intentionality of things. I'm watching for those who build bridges. I'm watching for those that clear confusion, that bring calm and peace. I'm watching for those that may not look the part, but may act with intention of kindness. And those are the ones I'm seeing as forerunners today. That's such a lovely thing to look for. So I'm going back to uh, question number three, I think, now. Did I miss anybody? I don't think I missed anybody. Um, Isaiah speaks of God's promise. And, and promise prepares or comes with expectation, anticipation. right? I'm, I promise I will see you in two weeks when you come. And, and I will be excited to see you. I will have gathered information to share with you. I will want to hear what's new with you. So for what promises do you await this Advent? What do you think, Bill? Um, you, you read and we've noted that this narrative begins, Mark, and it begins with the beginning or a beginning, which is echoed in Matthew, Luke, and John, all in either explicitly or by inference, uh, reflect that there's a beginning. Um, John, in the beginning, (laughs) was the word. Now, it occurs to me that a beginning leads to an ending and the ending is a new beginning. To get ahead of the story, Jesus' life, who, who, Jesus, whose birth we now prepare to celebrate, ended his life on earth with his ascension. But that was the beginning of the church and people uh, taking responsibility to share and live the gospel. Uh, so when you say, for what promises do you wait the promises of endings and beginnings, beginnings and endings. Um, now, it's interesting where my mind goes at times, Sarah. As I was contemplating this yesterday, I thought of a hymn that I was introduced to by a music director some years ago. It's 
use, it's, it's about resurrection, and therefore it's used at memorial and funeral services. But it struck me, this verse that I'm about to quote could be an Advent hymn. The title of the hymn is Hymn of Promise. Verse 3, in our end is our beginning, in our time infinity, in our doubt there is believing, in our life eternal eternity, and our death a resurrection at the last of victory unrevealed until this season, something God alone can see. So, frankly, my attention has sort of parked there, Sarah, that there are endings that lead to new beginnings. There are beginnings that lead us to a different end, back to disorientation. I think the point of the advent is we are disappointed people met God in the wilderness there are wildernesses in all of our lives God is there and if I'm willing to listen and immerse myself in wilderness there can be a new beginning thank you um, I'm looking forward to um the gift of Christmas every year for me is that God comes to us and keeps coming to us, keeps moving toward us, um, and that we get the opportunity to revisit that thought every year with Christmas. Um, to witness the inbreaking um, all over through the eyes of those around me. Don, you hinted at this when you have conversations that you prepared for, and they slowly open and and reveal that there is common ground in this. Um, to hear the good news afresh, to see the new thing that God is doing here and now. So I always this time of year is is full of wonder and mystery to me, and and full of delight. And I think all of those things were present in my childhood are still present with me now. Um, about this holiday, so um, and about this particular time of year, Advent. What do you think, Don? What promises do you wait for this Christmas or this year? Thank you. Uh, just a, a quick note on the prior questions and answers. I just I feel like I need to say uh, I, I am surrounded through media and around people declaring themselves prophets, messengers, and interpreters of life and the scripture. People are quite willing to declare themselves as pointers. And I just want to make that note that I, I am not, in my, just for me, my discussion, don't want to suggest that we're in the business of conducting litmus tests on people that declare themselves to be prophets or messengers, that we're not qualifying them. I have, I have no interest in that, and I don't feel called to that, that the, the pathway is more like what I'm going to describe now. But I wanted to say, you know, just because someone declares themselves to be of little interest to me, actually, very little interest to me, um, because it comes to me in such an elegant, beautiful, intimate way that the other is just abrupt and shallow. So that's just me discussing. Um, so your question was, for what promises do you wait for this Advent? And I'm gonna, I just have two, but I want. As I say it, consider them promises, or are they facts? The statements of facts. The first is all things are God's. 
And the second is, I am with you always. Is that a promise? I don't think so. I think Jesus rode through the gate, and it is finished. I will take those as facts. So given that fact, uh, what are we going to do today? Folks, oh, Lord, what are we going to do today? I don't have to have someone declare to me their, their prophetness. <laughs> what are we going to do? Opportunities abound. If if I, Lord help me, if I can listen. Lord help me if I can be patient. Lord help me, please, if I can see, that would be, that would be wonderful. Because whenever I do it, there it is. The breakthrough and breaking, it's right there. I'm looking forward to it, so I, I would wrap up, Sarah, by going, all right, what are we going to do today, today based on those statements of fact? That's what I've got. Thank you. I think we've come to the end of the discussion, but just before we say goodbye, is there anything else anybody wants to lay out? You good? Excellent. Well, for those listening in, Palmasia Presbyterian Church, which makes the podcast possible, is at 3501 West San Jose. That's in Tampa, Florida. And for more information, you can go to palmacia.org. That's P-A-L-M-A-C-E-I-A.org. We always commend that site to you for great sermons, prayers, outstanding music, meditations, um, opportunity to take communion, uh, discussions of the lectionary, disagreements about the lectionary, new friendships to be made. So check that out. And you're always welcome. And we will see you next time.